Fall Asleep with Henrik is a most wondrous and enchanting podcast, intended to lull you into a deep slumber. Know that you need not exert yourself in listening to the words, for each episode is fashioned after a dream, wherein coherence waxes and wanes and twists and turns. Be not overly concerned with its meaning, for it simply exists for what it is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello and welcome to Fall Asleep with Henrik. I am Henrik and you are asleep. Before we get started, I want to let you know that this podcast is an adaptation of a very popular Swedish podcast with the same name that started in 2018. However, this English version is a brand new podcast, and the episodes are scripted versions of the Swedish improvised ones. So, if you're a fan of the Swedish version, or if you're new to the podcast altogether, welcome. The goal of this podcast is to help you relax and fall asleep. I'll be discussing random topics and sharing my thoughts on various subjects in a calm and soothing tone. My hope is that you'll be able to tune out the noise of the world around you and focus on my words, allowing you to drift off into a peaceful slumber. If you enjoy the podcast, I encourage you to follow me on Instagram and YouTube to stay up to date with new episodes and other content. And if you have any thoughts or feedback, Please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know what you think. Your input is always appreciated. So, take a deep breath, get comfortable, and let's begin. Tonight, we'll be discussing topics like fluffy moustaches, 
fencing and insurance, or perhaps something completely different. Remember, the goal is to help you relax and fall asleep, so let's get started. But first, let's address the elephant in the room. What happens, happens, and right now there is nothing we can do about it. Personally, I feel incredibly hungry, but let's not talk about food. Let's talk about something even more delicious, fantasy. It's a love-hate relationship for me. On one hand, I can't get enough of it. On the other hand, it's caused me some sleepless nights, but my love for fantasy runs deep. It all started with the books about Taran by Lloyd Alexander. Those were the first books I read on my own, and they provided me with some of my strongest reading experiences. So let's dive into the world of sleep and fantasy together, Somna. Are you ready? Although I was too small and found it insurmountable when my mum first suggested that we read The Lord of the Rings together, I now regret not having given it a chance. She always encouraged me to get comfortable with historical books about Narnia and read Tolkien with her, but it wasn't until I read them as an adult that I truly appreciated his writing. It's as if I missed out on a chance to become truly literary. The level of detail he revels in is almost anal, and it feels like reading a doctoral thesis. But let's not forget that Tolkien is one of the greatest writers of our time. So before you go shouting from the church tower that Henrik Stahl is talking shit about Tolkien, give it a chance. Hold out for the first hundred pages. It becomes easier and the rereading is worth it. Plus, it'll make your mom happy. I just wanted to take a moment to share something important with you. Many people may not be aware of it, but the entire reputation of Tolkien's work rests on my words. It's a lot of pressure, but I'm going to pretend to be a literary critic for a moment and bask in the glory. On some days I find myself daydreaming about fitting into a world that isn't my own. The feeling was particularly strong the other day when I was talking to my daughter. She expressed her own desire to escape to another world. And I couldn't help but agree. Fantasy is my love, and it's a way for me to escape reality. However, there are times when my love for fantasy is met with disappointment. It's hard to live up to the vivid imagination and excitement of childhood. Books like Taran and Narnia were so magical to me back then. I even reread the Taran books as an adult buying them from various antique shops throughout Sweden. Speaking of literature, I have to give a shout out to the book exchange. It's the best thing to happen to book lovers, and that's not an exaggeration. Since we're using superlatives in this episode, I must say it's truly amazing. And even though the Taran books may not be as good as I remembered, they're consistently written with the same tone throughout all five of them. Nani, on the other hand, it's undeniable. This author's work packs a punch. Over the course of seven books, they've taken readers on a journey that traverses time and explores a variety of themes. While there are certainly historical elements present, it's the characters and their personal journeys that really steal the show. In contrast, Lloyd Alexander's work is more like a single, flowing saga. Despite being written over many years, the story feels like it was penned all at once. The Great King, for instance, is a standout. It's a book that was clearly written with passion and purpose. And it shows. A 
Of course, after a long day of work, my brain isn't always up for heavy reading. That's where Netflix comes in. I'll often find myself scrolling through various titles from fantasy novels to comic books. The images on the covers play a big role in drawing me in. There's just something about certain visuals that speaks to me. And let's be honest, sometimes I fall asleep with my finger still on the screen, a toad-like grin on my face. I find myself constantly clicking on these book covers, hoping to recapture the magic of my childhood favourites. But it's almost always a letdown. Why do I keep trying to relive something that's long gone? It's a common thread among adults, this desire to recapture the feeling of our childhoods. But enough of that. Today, I'm feeling like a fairy tale is in order. I want to create a new legend, one that's all my own. And don't worry, it won't be a story just for men or a cheesy mainstream tale. Instead, it'll be a fantastical adventure that's worthy of the Netflix screen, but with a twist. Instead of the usual elves or photo models, this tale will have something truly unique. Who knows what adventures we'll find within its pages? One thing's for sure, it won't be a disappointment like those other books. It's not uncommon to see TV series with collections of heroes, especially on platforms like Netflix, where the literary foundation may be weak or non-existent. Often, these series are based on cheap book series, but they still manage to gather a group of adventurers consisting of various fantasy characters like elves, each with their own unique cultural affiliations, genders and colourful skin tones. One thing they all have in common, though, is their youth. You rarely see any elderly characters in these tales. They're typically relegated to village or castle backgrounds. Mere background characters. This even applies to more expensive adaptations like Game of Thrones. Despite their differences, the characters are often just young, attractive photo models at their core. It's no wonder they meet in some kind of windswept company that takes on counterparts to things like the One Ring from Lord of the Rings, Think single swords, crowns, or even guinea pigs. The characters are often differentiated, but their differences are only surface level. They're essentially the same character with different outfits. And of course, they always have to throw in some elves and dwarves for good measure. It's all a bit cheesy, but it can still be entertaining in its own way. As for the dwarves, they're still allowed to exist in fantasy literature, even if they tend to be portrayed as cardboard cutouts. It's a shame that they're often relegated to being boring and uninteresting characters. But at least they're given the chance to be a bit older, even if they don't necessarily look it. Perhaps they could use some wrinkles on their faces to give them a bit more depth. When these characters inevitably gather around a table in some medieval tavern, they introduce themselves with all the subtlety of a sledgehammer. Hi, I'm L'Oreal Lariel. I'm an elf, as you can see from my pointy ears. It's a bit uncanny valley, to be honest. They talk as if they're reading from a script, which they probably are. But as they get to know each other, they start to bond over their shared experiences. The different designers they've worked with as models, the TV shows they've acted in, and so on. It's a small world, after all. And hey, maybe the dwarves can find some redemption and become more interesting characters if they just get a chance. I completely agree. It's pretty boring when all the characters are just photo models at their core. In fact, the last time I watched a series like that, I couldn't even remember the main character's name. It all feels very stiff and rigid, like they're all wearing full body armour. 
But this story will be different. It's about an old woman named Eunice, who has a bit of a swagger and light, fluffy hair that feels like down when you hug her. It's the kind of thing that tickles children. But for anyone 15 years or older, it's the most beautiful feeling in the world. Eunice finds herself standing atop a hill, looking out over the dark world below. And she knows she can't just sit back and watch. She must leave her safe existence behind and become the hero that the world needs. And let's face it, there are plenty of prejudices about old ladies out there. They're often seen as a bit troll-like and overly knowledgeable, almost like they're some kind of central figure. But Eunice will break those stereotypes and become a true hero in her own right. There are certainly stereotypes about old ladies. At worst, they're seen as weird cat ladies or overly passive aunts who haven't put any effort into their lives. But Eunice is different. She's more like a Bambi-like figure, with a rich social life and varied interests. Sure, she may have had a bit of a backseat role in her life up until now, but that's about to change. Eunice's husband has passed away, and while he had his personal quirks, he wasn't exactly the nicest person. He called her a curmudgeon, even though he was the one who was often angry and annoyed. She had a rich social life with lots of friends, but he didn't share those interests. He would get upset when she was out and about running errands or attending concerts with her friends. But despite all of this, Eunice is still a vibrant, active person. She's ready to take on the world and prove that she's more than just an old lady with a cat or a boring backseat role. And who knows? She may just become the hero that the world needs. After her husband's passing, Eunice found herself with a newfound sense of freedom. She didn't have to worry about inheriting anything which spared her from any conflicts with her late husband's children from a previous marriage. And now, she was free to explore the special ability she always knew she had, a power that could potentially make a big difference in the world. Standing atop the hill and feeling the wind ruffle her hair, Eunice knew that she was no longer tied to her old life in the village. She was free to start anew and learn everything she could about her power. And who knows? Maybe she could even take on some older men if they really existed. There was a bee old man in the village last year, but Eunice had never talked to him. Like the bibby old lady, he was someone who always sat in the back seat and never took any real initiatives. But Eunice was different. She was ready to take on the world and make a difference. The difference between a diver man and a diver was clear to her. She was ready to dive into the unknown and see where it would take her. Big Ben was known to be incredibly knowledgeable, but also intimidating. Eunice, the old lady with a newfound sense of freedom and a desire to explore her inner power, knocked on his door to seek his help. Big Ben opened the door with messy hair and a nose that seemed to want to tear itself away from his face. I want to go potty, he hissed, filled with shame. But Eunice was undeterred. She wanted to learn and understand her own ability, and she had heard that Big Ben was a master of magic. She asked him for help, pleading with him to teach her. Big Ben turned around, his full attention on Junis. He was the kind of person who would stop whatever he was doing, even if it was looking at the dark horizon, to give someone his full attention. As an old, frail man of 95, he knew the importance of being present in the moment. Junis was nervous but determined. She knew that Big Ben could help her unlock her inner power, and she was willing to do whatever it takes to learn.
And so, with the old man's guidance, she began her journey towards becoming a master of magic herself. As Big Ben turned his body to face Junis, his bushy eyebrows furrowed in concentration, he knew that to truly hear her and understand what she wanted, he needed to focus all his attention and muster his fading senses. It was an active action, not just turning his head, but turning his whole body to maintain balance and give Junis his full attention. Despite his gruff appearance and intense concentration, Big Ben was a kind and wise old man. He was willing to share his knowledge and expertise with those who sought it, like Eunice. And with his guidance, she was able to tap into her inner power and discover the magic within herself. It may have taken some effort for Big Ben to turn and listen to Eunice, but it was worth it. He was able to help her on her journey and make a difference in her life. And that, to him, was the true magic of his abilities. Eunice trained hard under the guidance of the old man, learning the ways of magic and discovering the full potential of her power. She learned to control the elements, bend them to her will, and even to communicate with animals. But there was still much she didn't know, much she had yet to learn. And so, she set out on a quest to find the one thing that could help her defeat the evil master of death and save the world from destruction. Her journey was long and arduous, filled with danger and adventure, but Eunice was determined to succeed. And as she travelled, she met many interesting characters, some who would become her allies, and others who would become her enemies. But through it all, she never lost sight of her goal. And in the end, her perseverance paid off, and she discovered the key to unlocking her full power and defeating the evil master once and for all. And so, Eunice saved the world and became a legend in her own right, a powerful mage and a hero to all who knew her. He also stressed the importance of being present in the moment, to not let the mind wander, and to focus on the task at hand. Eunice found it challenging at first, her mind was always racing, but with time and practice she learned to quiet her mind and tap into her inner power. The old man also taught her about the different types of magic and how they are all interconnected. He showed her how to harness the power of nature and use it to heal and protect. He taught her how to use her own energy to create spells and incantations. As the weeks went by, Junis felt herself becoming stronger and more confident. She could feel the power within her growing and expanding. She knew that she still had a long way to go, but she was determined to continue her training and become the best she could be. And so, with the help of the wise old man, Eunice began her journey towards mastering the art of magic and saving the world from whatever evil may come its way. Eunice continued to practice and hone her magical abilities with the guidance of the old man. She discovered new powers, such as the ability to sense the emotions of others and to manipulate the elements around her. She also learned to meditate and focus her mind to enhance her powers. Despite her age, Eunice was determined to master her abilities and save the world. She found that the key to her success was to never stop learning and to always be open to new experiences and ideas. As she continued to grow in her powers, Eunice also grew in confidence and strength. She no longer felt like an old lady, 
but like a powerful force to be reckoned with. And so, with her newfound abilities and a fierce determination, Junis set out into the world to confront the evil that threatened to destroy it. She knew that she had a long journey ahead of her, but with the old man's teachings and her own inner strength, she was ready for whatever lay ahead. And so she saw a small village at a distance. As she got closer to the village, she could see smoke rising up into the sky. Her heart began to race and she started running, using her magical ability to move faster. When she finally arrived, she saw that the whole village was on fire. People were running in all directions, screaming and crying for help. She realized that this was the evil that Kurt Bieber had threatened the world with, and that it was up to her to stop him. With newfound determination, she focused her energy and started running towards the source of the fire. As she ran, she could feel the warmth of her protective envelope growing stronger around her, shielding her from the intense heat. When she arrived at the center of the village, she saw Kurt Biber standing there, surrounded by flames and cackling with glee. After discovering a large, dark cloud settling over the village like a wet blanket, drowning everyone in rain, Junis knew it was her chance to show what she had learned. She stood at the edge of the rain with determination in her eyes, using her protective bubble to surround the village, preventing Kurt Bieber's rain cloud from tormenting the inhabitants. Meanwhile, in a castle in the kingdom of evil, only God, who really existed, saw everything through his remote vision. He was surprised by the courage and strength of this old woman and encouraged by her power, yet angry at her actions. He decided to learn more about her, putting his target in the freezer for another day. As the weak snapping sounds of my element interrupted my thoughts, I ended this part of the story, but Eunice was not afraid. She raised her hand and summoned all of her power, lifting Kurt Bieber up into the air and hurling him far away from the village. The evil prince screamed in terror as he flew through the air, finally disappearing into the darkness. With the threat of Kurt Bieber defeated, Eunice felt a sense of pride and accomplishment wash over her. She knew that her training had paid off and that she had the power to make a real difference in the world. And so she continued to train and hone her skills, ready for whatever challenges the future might bring. After the battle, Junis felt a surge of empowerment. She knew she had crossed a point of no return and that the Prince of Darkness had taken notice of her. Junis had also discovered much about her abilities and while she may not have been fully prepared, there was no turning back now. Her focus had shifted to completing her training and catching a flick with the old man at the cinema. But of course, her mentor wasn't exactly thrilled with her progress. It's not like mentors are a dime a dozen in fantasy stories. You're not ready, he had admonished. But I have to help my friends and we have to save the world. The time for training is now. I must use my power seriously. And then there was that important thing he had reminded her about. Never using her power out of fear or anger. That kind of emotional energy can distort and destroy the power within. She had learned that lesson the hard way, just like in Star Wars. But at least this is fall asleep with Henrik, so she could say whatever she wanted because I have no idea what it going on anyway. And then things got a bit confusing. Eunice mentioned something about breaking up because she was kissed too little, or maybe it was a peanut allergy or something. It wasn't exactly clear. But she didn't want to leave out the fact that two lonely people had taken a liking to each other, even if it wasn't that kind of story. 
It felt a little puritanical to ignore that aspect of their relationship. Junis Michelle didn't let the chilly autumn wind stop her from embarking on her journey. She bravely shed her cloak and took off with her trusty backpack, filled with bread, cheese and cold beck water. She wandered through various counties, seeking knowledge and resources from wise old men and women. With the information she gathered, she felt confident enough to take on both men and despots. Despite facing opposition from those who doubted her abilities, Eunice remained undeterred. People told her she was too old or not troll-savvy enough, but she didn't care for their approval. In her younger days, she struggled to act on her own accord without seeking validation from others. However, with age came the confidence to throw herself into the unknown without hesitation. Although Eunice may have seemed anonymous like any other dude, she knew she had the power, knowledge and connections to make a significant impact on the world. Her detractors may have wanted to stop her, but she remained focused on her mission. With her little backpack and her unshakable spirit, Eunice was ready to face whatever challenges lay ahead. As the sun slowly set, the horizon darkened and reminded me of closing a mailbox in a shady apartment in Berlin. Speaking of mailboxes, I approached a flatland where tough men had their abode and noticed a mailbox deposit. It got me thinking, why does the Prince of Evil always choose to settle in the corrupt? Is it just a dramatic trope or is there some deeper meaning to it? I mean, sure, the Prince's own mind has destroyed the surroundings, but sometimes I wish evil could portray a man, you know, like living at a nice condo or at some paradise island. It would be a refreshing departure from the archetypal narrative style where evil is always black, broken and filled with filthy water and cold gusts of wind, while what is good is green and red, flamboyant and full of life. Let's face it, real despots don't live on the moon. They live in paradise. I mean, why couldn't they start by getting to live in paradise? It's just a thought. As a potential supervillain, my top priority would be surrounding myself with beauty. It's a bit like being in Mordor and realizing that everything there belongs to Sauron. A strange feeling. But I also recognize the eternal selves that lie within us. In the light of day, I understand that some may question my intentions. But why bother problematizing someone like me? It's just another metaphor in the larger picture of our psychological journey. That being said, if I were Sauron and trying to build up my power once more, I would definitely opt for a cozy environment perhaps not one akin to the world of Harry Potter. Voldemort, for example, lives in a shadowy existence, surrounded by dark wells, old cemeteries and misty ruins. However, if I were recovering from a major injury and trying to rebuild myself, I wouldn't necessarily go around thinking, yes, I'm definitely evil because I'm the Prince of Darkness. Rather, I might consider indulging in some hot soup and peaceful bird sounds at a resort with all the amenities including a bar, pool, jacuzzi and good literature, to help me feel my best. All-inclusive, of course. You know, when it comes to Voldemort, I'm not quite sure why he's not off lounging in Ibiza somewhere. Ibiza? Yes, I said it. You might get a chuckle out of that, but who knows? Maybe Voldemort would enjoy the vibrant nightlife and stunning beaches. But then again, what do I know? I can't exactly boast about my worldly experiences or the lavish lifestyle I lead. Nonetheless, if Voldemort is looking for a change of scenery, he should definitely consider Ibiza. 
it's a fantastic destination with plenty to offer. I recently stumbled upon an interview with the mastermind behind Twin Peaks, David Lynch. While I'm not one to draw comparisons, Lynch shared his daily diet in an old interview and I couldn't help but take note. Every day he consumed a simple yet satisfying meal consisting of tomato, mozzarella, cheese and tuna, all drizzled with a touch of olive oil. He followed this up with the same meal for lunch, day in and day out. And in the evenings, he indulged in a hearty chicken and broccoli dish. Now, I'm not suggesting that I follow Lynch's exact meal plan, but I must admit that I do tend to stick to a routine when it comes to my daily meals. For lunch, I often opt for some form of canned food, as cooking from scratch can be a bit of a challenge when I'm working from home alone. While I do have my adventurous moments and mix things up, I find comfort in the familiarity of routine. I know it may sound dull, but Lynch himself noted that having a sense of predictability in his daily routine gave him a sense of security, which then allowed him to explore and push boundaries in his work. And hey, if it works for a genius like him, who am I to argue? It's funny how sometimes we think we want one thing, but when we actually experience it, we realize it's not really for us. I think it's important to be true to ourselves and not force ourselves to fit into certain molds just because it seems like the popular or exciting thing to do. I remember when I was in my 20s, I too felt drawn to the party scene and living it up. I even went to Mykonos once, but I have to admit it wasn't really my scene. I often found myself feeling guilty and ashamed afterwards, like I had somehow messed up or wasn't living life to the fullest. But the truth is, there's no one right way to live our lives. We all have our own unique paths to follow. And sometimes that means taking a step back and re-evaluating what truly makes us happy and fulfilled. So don't feel bad for not fitting into a certain mold. Embrace who you are and live life on your own terms. Although it has never been enough for me, I still struggle to find contentment in life. Unfortunately, my anxiety seems to persist despite my best efforts. I know I keep bringing this up, but the realization hits me like a ton of bricks every now and then. On the bright side, since I stopped drinking, my anxiety has been reduced by about 80%, and that includes the generalized anxiety I suffer from. I diagnosed myself with it, so it's not something I received from anyone else. Despite my efforts to improve my mental health with age, medication, exercise, and sobriety, it seems like a one-size-fits-all solution just doesn't exist. On Saturdays, I have a ritual of eating an entire bag of poly, which is basically just a chewy candy. It's the one thing I do every Saturday that I always do, and it brings me a little bit of comfort. I like Polly because it takes a long time to eat. I have a tendency to quickly devour anything I put in my mouth, but with Polly, I can enjoy it for an entire hour. It's my way of treating myself while also doing something enjoyable. Every Saturday, our writer discusses routines, but let's put a pin in that for now and get back to the story of Junis. Ingmar Bergman's dark land, which we shall call Nordic Noir, is where our tale takes place. This land is shrouded in darkness, but fear not. For our author has an incredibly vivid imagination that even the brightest light could not dull. He is particularly good at coming up with names and titles for things, just like the tough men who welcomed Eunice into their castle. As Eunice entered, she was greeted with a warm hello. Welcome in. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, 
the men said. However, Junis was not easily swayed. I'm not afraid of you, and I won't let myself be mediated by your fake soft power, he said firmly. The men seemed taken aback, but Eunice knew what they were going for. As the conversation progressed, Junis soon realized that their fake soft power wasn't working on him. It was a life-changing moment, and it marked the passing of June. Or maybe not. Let's continue and find out. As the battle rages on, the focus shifts to a power and magic that both sides are determined to claim. However, things take an unexpected turn as she defeats him in a swift and unexpected manner. It's not the usual narrative of working your way up through smaller enemies to face the biggest one. But sometimes fights just go that way. It's like a battle scene in a fantasy film, always ending with the hero and villain fighting each other, even amidst a sea of indistinguishable orcs. The odds are pretty slim that the Prince of Evil would be found in the midst of all that chaos. But nevertheless, the two sides are locked in a polarized yet unified view of the other. But before they could start fighting each other, they were preoccupied with fighting the others, Eunice with his group of identical elf warriors, who were also photo models at the bottom, and the burger men with their army of common orcs. Orcs are the opposite of photo models. Let's see if I can make sense of this for you. So, the opposite of a photo model is... for something? I'm not quite sure what I mean there. Let me take a stab at it. A photo model is someone who models for things that are meant to be photographed. But what about things that shouldn't be photographed? That's where the opposite of a photo model comes in. They model for things that should be kept private and off-camera. Makes sense now, right? Anyway, it's a strange and disjointed battle, but one that's full of surprises. Junis had seen the precipice and began her descent. She defeated the... whomever was the villain in the first place. I don't... I don't remember, not by plunging, but by someone else in battle, and Eunice had nothing to do with it. But this is a fairy tale, so Uni got to wear the halo of a hero, so to speak. She returned to her small village a hero, and everyone welcomed her with open arms. They celebrated her, cheered for her, and even threw her up in the air. The only thing that had really happened was that she had staged some kind of battle against both men. Even though it rained a little on the village at the finish, it wasn't like he'd done anything terrible. But Uni had gotten a bloody tooth from it, and so she continued to see herself as a defender against all the threats in the world. She wanted to be a role model for courage and strength, and always be vigilant and prepared. Plus, she got to keep the cool hero outfit. It was a cloak or... or... I don't know. What's cool? I think I am the last person to ask, really. After years of defeating petty villains and masters of dark magic online, she discovered a menacing force brought to life in the ruins of an old empire. This new master, Lotar, was even stronger than whomever was the villain in the first book. It's a bit unclear. Lotar had been brought back to life with a drop of amber. So, there's that. Lotar had been ruling over an evil realm for many years, with the help of secretly let love who had already defeated many powerful masters of magic. Now, they were threatening to take over the whole world. Junis knew she had to act fast and gathered her friends who were all photo models, dancers, and even scat border enthusiasts, 
Together, they set out on a dangerous journey. When they reached Lothar at the Borg, Eunice knew it would be their biggest challenge yet. He had a powerful army of dark creatures and was much better than any previous villain they had faced. But Eunice was determined to save the world and her friends were ready to fight by her side. As they faced off against Lothar's sorcery patrols, Eunice couldn't help but think back to when she was just a cop, trying to make a difference in the world. But now, she was a hero, and nothing would stop her from defeating this new threat. He had an array of bizarre powers, like turning people inside out, transforming treasure, and even driving goats. It was all just part of his twisted parade. It's sadistically realistic that a tax collector, despite their public perception, isn't exactly what they seem to be. In fact, they're quite mysterious beings. And they're in cahoots with the, with the ice cream cones in the Bermudas, I think. Suddenly, he appeared in the wasteland, pointing his wand at Eunice. She quickly sprang into action, using her mind to create a protective bubble around herself and her friends, who happened to be photo models and dancers at the bottom. But before she knew it, he shot lightning bolts at them. And to make things even more confusing, the evil bolts were a different colour than the good ones. It made her wonder who decides which colours are good and which are evil. Is there some sort of regulation for this? If it was based on personal preference, every wizard would have their own unique colour, and that would just be chaotic. Have you ever noticed that in movies, evil characters always have red lightsabers or lasers while the good guys have green or blue ones? It's interesting, but I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's because the colour red is associated with danger and aggression, while green and blue are more calming and peaceful. Or perhaps it's just a visual cue for the audience. But here's the thing. In these movies, the villains don't think they're evil. They truly believe that what they're doing is right, even if it means ravaging innocent lands and causing chaos. To them, their actions are a manifestation of their persona. Now, if lightsabers were real and we had to choose between a good or evil one, which would you choose? Of course, we'd all choose the good one. But what about those who do evil? They don't think they're evil. In fact, they're convinced that what they're doing is justified. The truth is, despots and rulers of evil often believe that they're the only thing that matters. They don't see themselves as evil, but rather as the hero of their own story. So, in a way, no one really buys an evil wand or a red lightsaber. Everyone believes they're on the side of good. As she faced the evil dude's relentless lightning bolts, she shielded herself with her trusty bubble. This battle lasted for days until tragedy struck. The evil dude, whose name I forgot, tripped on a rock, tumbled down the hill and broke his neck, ending the fight for good. Junis returned home, hailed as a hero once again. But her adventures were far from over. In book three, she discovered that her old foe, the groom, had returned to life. But he was different. Now a master wizard, a skilled conjurer, and a good person. He had come back to help the world from the treacherous Lauberns III. Naturally, Eunice was suspicious at first. She wasn't sure what to think of the groom, but when she met him, his honest and upright nature put her at ease. It was clear that she had undergone a transformation from evil to good a change that was evident in the characters around her. It was easy to see who was made of tougher stuff and who was just scraps and grain. This is how it is in fairy tales. It's impossible to be both good and evil at the same time. One must choose a side. 
And when someone has an honest and upright look, it's a sign of a good person who can't do bad things. It's like they're holding a national park inauguration ceremony, very solemn and distinguished, careful not to stand out too much, but very much present. But then Eunice formed an alliance with bankers and defeated Loburns III in a song. They traveled the world together, hunted by evil forces, with a box containing a kind word that was hard to catch. The fight was long and grueling, but eventually Eunice defeated Lord Bernstein by showing him a mirror and his own reflection. Evil cannot bear to see itself and is destroyed when it does. It's important to hold up a mirror to evil, to show them who they really are. And that's how the saga ended. Relatively mainstream, but flawed. It may need some work before publication, but there's no doubt that a good publisher could make something out of it. Don't expect someone else to fix your rubbish for you, though. Take ownership and make it great. I had this grand plan to write a fantasy trilogy for a long time and even talk to a book publisher about it. They loved the idea and told me to do it. This was when I was still a bit hyped as a writer, back at 2019 or so. Time flies, and before you know it, it's all just a rush of victories and experiences. But then came the meetings with the publisher, and they asked me highly motivated questions. Questions that I had no answers for. I just wanted to write a fantasy book and assumed that the publisher would fix everything else. Looking back, it was a totally idiotic way of thinking. I thought that they would guide me through the process, but no one does that, and that's a good thing. It's up to each writer to take ownership of their work and guide it to greatness. Thank you for tuning in to Fall Asleep with Henrik. I hope that you found my soothing voice and ramblings to be helpful in your journey towards a peaceful slumber. As we come to the end of this episode, I want to remind you that your feedback is incredibly valuable to me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to take a moment to review it on your preferred platform. Your reviews help to spread the word about the podcast and allow others to discover it as well. In addition, if you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be notified of new episodes as they become available. And if you'd like to stay connected with me and other fans of the podcast, be sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram and YouTube, and I'd love to hear from you. As always, my goal is to help you relax and fall asleep. So if you have any suggestions for topics or feedback on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always looking for ways to improve and make the podcast better for you. Thank you again for listening, and I hope that you have a peaceful and restful sleep. Good night.